It's July 2015, and my guest today is Stu Karoff from the Asian Penguins. Welcome to Hacking Culture, featuring in-depth interviews with free software advocates. Hacking Culture is brought to you by Lullabot, and I'm your host, Matthew Tift. This episode of Hacking Culture is unlike most of my previous episodes. Today's guest is not a professional programmer. He's not on the staff of a board or any big foundation devoted to free software. He's the first guest I've had on the show who lives in Minnesota where I live. And he's also the first guest I've never met in person. My guest today runs a Linux user group in Minnesota, but I'm quite sure it is unlike any other Linux user group you've ever attended. Stu Karoff is the faculty advisor for Asian Penguins, the first and only Linux user group based in a Hmong charter school. It is a group made up of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. He's doing some fantastic work, and I think you'll be very interested to hear Stuart's story. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for having me. So let's start off with a little bit of background about you. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at the Community School of Excellence? Sure. I've been a teacher now for almost 10 years. First five years of my teaching experience, I worked at a couple of other charter schools in the metro area. Made the move over in August of 2011 to working at Community School of Excellence in St. Paul which was a real treat for me because it's within walking distance of my house. So it really cut down on the commute a lot. Uh, and I've been there ever since. I've been a Linux user for about the same length of time. When I started going back to school to get my teaching license, I also started to get into Linux as a hobby. I've been a Linux user probably since about 2004, 2005. When I started getting into Linux, I was really fascinated with how much could be done with free and open source software. My very first experience with using open source software was using OpenOffice.org. And I had started getting into that because I could not afford Microsoft Office when I was planning on going back to school. And open source was not just helpful, it was kind of a lifesaver to me at the time because I needed software that I could use for completing work for school. I've been a devotee of open source ever since. In working at Community School of Excellence, I guess you could say I brought my hobby to work. First, by uh, starting to use Linux computers in my room and then starting to get students involved. And then the Asian Penguins grew out of that. You have a degree in teaching then, is that right? That is correct. I'm a social studies teacher. I have a lot of teachers in my family. My wife taught English in high school. My mother-in-law and my mom both taught. And my dad is a professor in, in St. Paul, actually, at St. Kate's. Lots of teachers in my family, but I don't know a lot of middle school teachers. How did you end up teaching middle school? Well... I had originally gone to school to get my high school social studies degree and license. Before I completed my program, I decided, you know what, I really don't want to teach high school. So I 
set teaching aside for several years and then went back to it later and said, well, why don't I approach this from the other end and see how I feel about elementary and middle school? That turned out to be a much better fit. So at this point, I've taught third grade, fifth grade in the after school program at our school. I've also taught second, third and fourth grade. When I worked at Noble Academy over in Minneapolis, that's where the door opened for me to teach middle school. And I've been doing that ever since. I've seen a number of videos with you interacting with the kids, and it looks like it was a good choice for you because it looks like the kids respond pretty well. I know a little bit about that, having done some volunteering in elementary schools and knowing how tricky it can be sometimes to get kids to pay attention. Definitely can be. Let's start talking then a little bit more about the Asian penguins and some of the background information. Sure. How do you describe Asian penguins? Asian penguins are... The word we use is they are a Linux users group. We are not developers. We're not programmers. The kids are not at this time learning how to do coding or anything like that. A group that centers around using and learning how to use free and open source software. The whole thing started back in the 2011-2012 school year. The school had just started doing a one-to-one laptop program wasn't too long before we discovered that middle schoolers like breaking laptops, or at least it seems like they like it because they were doing it all the time. Even though each kid had been handed a laptop at the beginning of the school year, I was starting to have classes where a significant percentage of the kids didn't have a laptop because they broke it, lost it, they left it at home, they forgot to charge it, and it made it difficult for me to do things with tech integration if the kids weren't bringing the tech in with them. So I applied for a grant with uh, Free Geek Twin Cities over in Minneapolis. And they had, a, and I believe they still do have a, a hardware grant program where if your class qualifies, they'll set you up with computers that are installed with Linux. Since I was already a Linux user, I thought, well, that's kind of cool. I'd like to have some Linux computers here in the classroom. They set me up with four Linux desktops at no charge, which was a real blessing. The school thought it was cool because I was going out and getting free stuff. And the kids, once they started seeing using Ubuntu, which is the version of Linux we use, they thought that it was really cool compared to Windows 7, which was what came on their laptops. And the club grew out of that. We had a, a small group of kids who were involved in the after-school program. After-school at that time was for reading and math, for kids who just need some extra practice with those things. The school day ended at 4.10. The after-school program started at 4.30. And then for those 20 minutes, they wouldn't leave my classroom because they wanted to play with the computers. And it's like, well, I, I can't leave till 4.30 anyway because that's when my, con- my contractual day ends is 4.30. So I'm stuck here and you won't leave. So Let's all learn some software together. So I started teaching them software lessons and first off how to use things and it was how to install and configure things. And then we finally started installing operating systems. We were having a lot of fun with it. And I, I told the kids, I said, oh, it seems like clubs forming here. Maybe it needs a name. The kids were all Hmong from Southeast Asia and the mascot of Linux is a penguin. So I said, why don't we call you all the Asian penguins? And they were like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So we've had that ever since. That was year one. And, you know, by the end, we, you know, had some kids learning how to, you know, put RAM into a computer or, you know, plug in video cards and 
the big thing, of course, was, you know, installing the operating system in the apps. And we thought, you know, we we're having fun with it, but it wasn't super serious at that point. And it was only like nine or ten kids. Kind of weird. I actually ran into a couple of them at the library this afternoon that were with me that very first year. They're both in high school now. The following year, when the kids came back, we had planned on doing the Asian Penguins as a class in the after-school program, only to discover that the kids who wanted to be involved in it had already signed up for something else in the after-school program or weren't going to be coming to the after-school program. And so that kind of fell by the wayside. And I thought, okay, well, I guess that's done. And uh, we set it aside. But a few months into the school year, I had one of the IT guys in my room helping to troubleshoot some problems that we were having with student laptops. And a couple of kids were having trouble connecting to the Wi-Fi. And I wasn't sure if it was a hardware issue or a network issue or a software issue. And I, you know, and I thought hey, wouldn't it be fun to try running Linux on a few of these just to see what would happen? And I bounced it off of the IT guy, and I was like, hey, David, what would happen if we installed Linux on these kids' laptops? Will we get in trouble? And he looked at me, and he, and he, and he laughed. And he was like, I don't care. Do what you want to do. And I thought, well, that sounds great, but we should probably hear from one of the bosses about this. So I actually wrote up a proposal and said, can we do this on a small handful of student laptops and just have them report back to us on what they think? And we made a, a case study out of it for the rest of the year. And the plan was to just do it with about 12 kids. I think we ended up having about 18 by the time we were done because, you know, there were kids who saw this software that their friends had and they thought it was cool. And it's like, hey, Mr. Karoff, can I have this too? And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess. And... The kids, for the most part, really preferred using Ubuntu to using Windows. They thought it was a lot more fun. It was faster. It was more stable. It looked cool, and it was different. So we, we kind of, in my opinion, made a pretty solid case for using Linux at our school, even if we are going to continue using other things. You know, our school mostly uses Windows. You know, all the computer labs in the building use Windows. Most of the laptops use Windows. We, I figured that wasn't going to change, but we, we did make an argument for using Linux on at least some of the student computers, and, and we're still doing that. The other thing that happened during that second year was I kept hearing these stories about you know, about kids who are unable to do computer work at home because their families didn't have a computer at home. And I thought, oh, this would be a really easy thing to fix. I mean, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, why don't we just, why don't we just fix it? You know, it wouldn't cost that much. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be that hard. We can, we can get some used PCs. We can do what FreeGeek is doing, except that since these families are poor, we can, we'll just give them the computer. So we started acquiring used PCs and went through our, our school's community liaison to find some families to help. And then we started uh, giving computers away. And that first, that first year, we provided uh, seven families with computers. And then we started up again the following year and we gave away 11 computers. And then this year, we just completed the third year of our donation program. We gave away 12 this year. So we've placed a total of 30 computers with uh, families in the metro area, mostly in St. Paul. What a story. 
And it sounds like the criteria that you guys were using to decide who got that was based on the students that went to the school and qualified for the free or reduced price lunch and that did not have the computers in the home. Is that basically the criteria? That is correct. Those were the three criteria we used because we we decided early on that before we started addressing anybody else's digital divide, we should probably take care of our own. Uh, so we thought, let's let's take care of our own first. So number one, do you have students enrolled at our school? Number two, children qualify for free or reduced lunch because of your income, which at our school over ninety percent of our families qualify. So that wasn't that wasn't a difficult one. And then number three, do you not already have a computer? We would have some families where it's like, yeah, we have kids to go here. Yeah, we qualify for free or reduced lunch, but we already have a computer. And it's like, well, then you're not the ones we're going to help because you've taken care of your own digital divide and you're doing great. We're going to try to find the families that do need our help. And, and we've, we've found several. But those are the three criteria. Did you work with the teachers then in this school to help identify some of these families? Absolutely. Annually, we teachers, we have to report for work two weeks before classes start. And during that second week of, of prep time for the school year, each one of us has to go into the homes of our students to visit with the families. When we're there, we're supposed to you know, fill out some questionnaires with the families as far as what are learning goals for the kids, um, what kind of technology support can you provide at home, you know, what language do you want us to communicate uh, to you in? And what's the best way to get in touch with you? Just normal stuff like that. And it's a getting to know you thing, especially if you're getting a bunch of, of new kids that hadn't, you know, you've never had in your class before. Part of this process, then, we asked our teachers to take along an Asian Penguins referral form that we designed for them. And we said, any time that you're at a home where... They meet these criteria where it's like they you're obvious you wouldn't be at their home unless they're you know they were enrolling kids at our school and check to see what kind of technology support they they're providing for their kids or that they can provide if they don't have a computer and they need one fill out this referral form and give it to us and we ended up having to implement a lottery system because it was kind of difficult for us to track, you know, who filled out the forms first or something like that. So I guess we, we could have, you know, just looked at, well, in the order that we received them. But since there were at the time, there were three faculty advisors and each one of them was receiving forms. Uh, we decided the only fair way to do it was we'll, we'll implement a lottery system. So everybody who's turned in a form has an equal shot uh, every time we draw out a name. And we had set the goal at giving away 12 computers during the year. Uh, we, and we made that goal. The reason we said 12 is it's one more than last year. But we received 27 referrals, something like that. So we got to a little less than half of the families that stated that they, they needed a computer. We've decided that for next year, we're going to start off with the families that we didn't get to this year before we take any new names. And we'll see where we go with that. But that was the process that we used. But we've, we've seen that the, the need is definitely there, and it's still there.
So this is really much more than what some people might think of as a typical Linux user group then. This has also got other components to it, such as community service and education and all kinds of other good stuff for the kids. I agree. I agree. And this, uh, this turned into a community service project because we saw that there was a need and we figured that it really wouldn't be that hard for us to do something about it. And we were thinking, you know what, it, it, it doesn't have to be this way. Let's roll up our sleeves and see if we can't address this problem. And the kids were totally on board with this. They were like, oh, yeah, Mr. Karoff, let's do this. And, and there was, they were excited about it. So is it your typical Linux users group? Well, probably not. But I have yet to find an example of a Linux users group that exists in a middle school. Near as we can tell, we're the only Hmong school in the world that's got one. So there really is no template for us to follow. So we've, we laugh when we say it, but it really is true. It's like we'll say we, we're making this up as we go along. And there's a lot of truth to that. The three things that seem to have emerged of our program or our club, uh, number one, kids are learning how to use Linux and install Linux and configure Linux not just the operating system, but also the open source apps that go along with it. Number two, they're tasked with installing Linux and, and maintaining uh, the, a handful of computers that students use at our school for their normal schoolwork. Um, we have five desktop PCs in my classroom that are all installed with Ubuntu, along with a cart of 30 laptops that are also running Ubuntu. And the kids are responsible for running the updates on those things. And then the third part of it is the community service aspect. And that's where, you know, we find needy families to help and made a, a concerted effort to try to, to handle that part in this procedure where the kids who are going to be delivering the computer are also the ones that got the computer ready for that family. I worked on this computer. We, you know, I, we put the operating system and the apps on there ourselves. As I see it, those are the three things that we've tried to do. Let's dig into each of those a little bit. With the first part of that, with the kids learning how to use Linux, they're learning how to install it, but they're also learning about the hardware and replacing parts and identifying problem places. So it's, it sounds like they're really learning a wide variety of skills with regards to what it takes to maintain a computer. Uh, well, we think so. It starts off with the basics have the kids take a computer, usually a desktop computer, but we, we do have some laptops that we're, that we're charged with taking care of too, and we'll give the kids a flash drive that has the operating system on it and uh, a checklist of instructions to follow to take the computer from having absolutely nothing where it's wiped completely clean to having a working machine when they're done. Step one is installing the operating system itself and uh, running the updates on it. With that part, we also have clean the outside of the machine, make sure our stickers get on it too. And then step two is doing uh, installation of the apps. And since there's a specific package of apps that we uh, send the computers out the door with, those tend to be the ones the kids practice on. But... It isn't just, well, you open up the Ubuntu Software Center and you click the word install. You can do that for some of the apps, but not all of them. There are some that you have to 
download from the internet and then install using an alternate tool. And then there's a few that we say, okay, you have to open up a terminal window and type in these commands and get the computer to install it doing it that way. So we teach them three different ways of installing the apps. We actually came up with a checklist of five different steps in the program and a kid can earn a certificate for each one. That's a new thing this year. We just started doing that. Uh, level one is OS install. Level two is uh, app install. Level three is uh, system navigation and doing terminal commands. Level four is hardware, and that's where the kids uh, demonstrate that not only can they get everything connected together so you can turn the computer on and actually have it boot up and it works and you can use it. We figured that that would be a pretty useful uh, hardware step. I mean, it's not opening the machine up, but we tell the kids, if you're going out on a mission, you're going to have to know how to do this when you get to somebody's home. Before we let you go out the door, you're going to demonstrate to us here that you know where everything's supposed to be plugged in. And then the other half of hardware is where we'll open up a computer and take the kids through a lesson where we have to identify all the different parts inside and what each one does. If we pull the RAM out, can you put it back in? If we you know, pull a, a video card out, can you put it back in? And, and that kind of thing. The fifth level or the fifth certificate a kid can earn is actually going out on, on a Penguin mission. And that's where we take a computer to a family's home. And that's a new thing. We've we've been we just started doing the certificates and and those levels probably in like January or February, but the kids have really responded to it. They they love that because it's like, hey, it's like I got something I can hang on my wall now. So, we thought, hey, that that's awesome. We're glad you like it. Kids like the certificates. I also have met quite a few young kids through volunteering in my local school district, and I don't know that I've met one that uses the terminal. Are these kids scared of using the terminal? I mean, this is a far cry from an iPad. This is true. The only thing that's going to frighten them is when they first see it. And once you can get them past, you're going to type commands in here, and if you type everything incorrectly, it will do what you want it to do. If you don't type it incorrectly, nothing will happen. And once they practice with that, then they're a little less afraid. Something that I try to remind all of the kids and actually all of the adults that, that I work with too at school because I'm also our buildings technology coordinator is when you look at the keyboard on your computer, it does not matter how long you stare at it. You will never find a button that's labeled with the word explode. <laughs> there is no button here that will make the computer blow up. So please relax. You cannot destroy the machine by hitting the wrong button. And with Linux, Part of the beauty of installing the operating system yourself is if you really screw it up, you get the flash drive out and you start over. It's no big deal. The second part of what you had said was maintaining these computers. I think you had said you started out with a small group of kids and it got up to 18. And now you're up to, I think I saw 35. Yeah. And those 35 kids then are maintaining these desktops and a whole rack of laptops. That sounds like a nice turnaround that they could go from breaking laptops to fixing them. This year, our school moved away from having a one-to-one -one laptop program. Hmm. Um, most of the damage that was happening to the laptops that, that were distributed to the kids was happening either at home or in the school gym or you know anywhere but the classroom. 
So this year we made the decision instead of one to one where each kid is uh, is set up with a laptop that's issued specifically to them, we'll give teachers a cart full of working laptops. And then when the teacher determines that, you know, we have a lesson today that's a tech lesson, laptops out and put them back. The computers really don't leave the school anymore. And, and so we've, we've found that using the laptop carts really is a, a better fit for our school than, um, than the one-to-one program was. Uh, the kids have responded to it positively because, you know, we, we always have enough working machines for any given lesson. The teachers like it because, you know, there are some, some additional controls that they have over the situation that then that helps them out and they, they know what to expect. It's like, okay, my cart has 30 laptops. Therefore, I know that when I do this lap, this lesson, I will have 30 laptops. It isn't, we have one-to-one and I have no idea how many of the kids brought their laptops today. It proved to be a better fit for us. Now, as far as the maintenance thing, during the school year, our middle school had we started off with five laptop carts that were shared between teachers every once in a while you might run into a scheduling conflict but most of the time you know two teachers that are in rooms right next to each other can figure out how to share the computers usually you're not going to have a teacher that needs them every single day and what we decided then was well if we have five laptop carts it ought to be enough that four of them are running windows Let's have one of them that runs Linux, and then the teachers who share that cart are the ones that are going to get to use the Linux computers. Now, the downside of this was that we no longer had, since we no longer had one-to-one, we didn't, it wasn't just a special thing that was just for the Asian penguins because the penguins were no longer issued their own computers. When you come to social studies class, and when you come to Hmong class, and when you come to sixth grade math class, because we had three people sharing our cart, you get to use the Linux computers. When you're anywhere else, you're going to use Windows. Uh, when you come to a Penguin meeting, you get to use Linux. When you go anywhere else, you'll be using Windows. So that was the downside. The upside was, even though we didn't have that specialization anymore, Linux user base actually quadrupled because it wasn't just the Asian Penguins were using Linux. Everyone in sixth grade social studies was using Linux. And so right there, that was 110 kids. I had one seventh grade social studies class. There was another 20 kids. And when if we did something with computers in my room, kids were going to be using Linux. When they went to Hmong class, they were using Linux. When the sixth grade math teacher was doing something using Study Island in his class, the kids were using Linux. So like I said, even though the kids were no, no longer had one that was just theirs, we had a whole lot more kids that were using Linux, even lots of kids that were not even in the Asian Penguins. Those kids then in the, in the Penguins, part of their responsibility was, well, you know what, every few weeks we have to take these things out and run updates on them. We, we need to make sure that happens. And uh, next year we'll have to work out a better schedule for that because sometimes that got overlooked. But that was what they committed to doing, and for the most part they did it. So do you think the kids took better care of the laptops once they started doing some of the maintenance? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. The last part was the aspect where they go out into the community. 
And you've mentioned this word mission. This was the name that the students came up with? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Once we went out on the first trip, we, we came back and, and the kids talked about it. And, and we had committed ourselves to doing at least two. And we'd gone out and we'd picked up two used PCs and we'd given the first one away. Uh, wow, this, this was fun. What, what should we call this? And we tried out a few names. And one of the kids suggested, well, why don't we call it a mission? And the kids voted on it. That was the one that won. And we couldn't figure out anything else that sounded anywhere near as cool. So, so the kids said, okay, we'll call, it, we'll call them missions. And so Penguin Mission is, has been what we've called them ever since. And the first one, that was, I, I laugh about it now, but it was, it was a real learning experience for us because we really didn't know what we were doing. We knew that we were going to go out to their house. We knew that we were going to meet the family and get a computer set up for them, but we had no procedure, we had no plan. And one of my bosses, the director of academics that we had at the time, I asked her if she wanted to come along with us. And she was like, oh, absolutely, let's do this. And on the morning that we left, before we got in in the van, I looked at her and said, I really don't know what's going to happen. I guess we're just going to have to go find out. And since it was the first one, and I wanted to make sure that everybody saw it, I said, let's just bring the whole club. Now, at the time, we had about 20 kids in the club. About 18 of those we had equipped with Linux laptops that we were doing with the one-to-one at the time. And a couple of them we never got to. But we had about 20 kids, and we took them all. And, and you know, it was a two-bedroom apartment. So it was like <laughs> it got kind of crowded in there. And uh, and we were like, oh, geez, well, if, they, if they don't have a... If they don't have a computer, they probably don't have a place to put it either. And we actually found them a desk. So we took one out there too. And we got the computer set up, uh, rather the kids did. And then I asked a couple kids to come over and and show the mom some of the software that we, that we included. And once we saw this a couple of times, then we figured out, number one, this doesn't take 20 people. We, four kids is probably enough. So we've, we've capped it at four ever since then. And then we figured out a procedure for what is supposed to happen before the mission, during the mission, and after the mission. And then we've stuck to that ever since. In fact, the part where we're showing the family how to use the software and, and teaching them what the different programs are, that procedure was, whether she knew she was doing it or not, was actually created by one of our students who was in seventh grade at the time. And we were like, wow, this is so fabulous. We just made her our trainer for the rest of the year to show all the other teams, when you go to a house, do this. And, and we followed her template. That was where we started. And, and once we started doing it, the kids were having so much fun with it. And we thought, okay, the kids are having fun. You know we're making a difference. Let's, let's just keep doing it and see what happens. And by the end of the year, we'd given away seven. When you go out on a mission, you have distinct roles for each of the kids. Is that, is that right? That's correct. That's correct. That way, we make sure that everybody has something to do. You have a team leader who's in charge of selecting the kids who are going to go on the mission, and that's the person who's supposed to take the lead in teaching the family how to use the machine once it's set up. We have um, a mission assistant who's there to you know make sure that you know help get things carried in the house and help get things plugged in and lend a hand when necessary. We have an interpreter because. Most of the families that we're going to don't speak English in their homes. 
In fact, that's one of the things that we try to, to make sure is we include some software that will help the kids develop their English. We have an interpreter who can explain how to use the computer in the language of that family, either Hmong or Kareni. We have to be pretty intentional about that to make sure that we actually have somebody on the team who can speak Hmong or Kareni. And that's also a student. Yes, that is. Wow. And then the, the last part is a photographer, because we decided early on that this is a story that we, we just we wanted to share. And it makes the kids feel kind of proud to be able to point out that, hey, they used my picture on the website. We'll have a kid bring a camera along and take pictures. This year, we even experimented with having kids not just taking still photos, but also some video so that we can edit a video together and put that on our YouTube channel. And, and those have gotten a pretty good response, too. We might continue doing that in the future. But those are the, 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 the four roles. You have team leader, assistant, interpreter, and photographer. You also have roles within the Asian Penguin organization. You have the president, vice president, treasurer, and secretary. Can you talk about the sorts of responsibility that those students have? Sure, sure. President and vice president, we expect them to try to show and model leadership to the rest of the group. You know, starting off with, you know, if we have a meeting, make sure you're there. Set the tone for the rest of the group because if we're getting permission to have a meeting uh, in the building, we ought to show up for them. So you guys set the tone, make sure you're there. Second, make sure that on meeting days, you know, the, you know, the message has gotten out to all the kids as far as, you know, which room the meeting is going to be in and what time. And then we expect the president and the vice president to, at least on occasion, run the meetings so that uh, the, uh, the teachers aren't doing everything. So we'll, we'll have them, you know, like lead the discussions and, and work through the agenda that we have for the meetings. Treasurer is responsible for helping to count all the money that we raise uh, at our fundraisers. And during the course of the year, we're going to have six or seven fundraising events. And with each one, you know, it can be a fair amount of cash that needs to be turned into the office so it can get into the Asian Penguins savings account. To help us keep track of things, the treasurer is responsible for helping to count it. And then finally, the secretary is responsible for making sure that the, uh, the signs announcing the meetings get up out in the hallways and uh, helping to take notes at the meetings. And on occasion, although this gets traded off between all the, the officers, the secretary is also supposed to help come up with what our agenda is going to be for, for each week. Well, one other thing, the secretary, and sometimes the treasurer helped out with this during the year too, if we're going to have a fundraiser at a school event, the thing we would normally do is we'll have a fundraising table, for instance, parent-teacher conferences. In the middle school at our school, all the teachers are going to have their own table in the gym, and then parents can go from one table to the next to talk to all of their son or daughter's teachers. Well, the Asian Penguins will have a table in the gym, too, where they're selling snacks to people who want a little something to munch on while they're waiting. And we usually sell uh, hot Cheetos, candy bars, and then drink pouches with uh, Capri Sun in them. And those have proven to be pretty popular, especially the hot Cheetos. And then what do you do with the money you raise? The overwhelming majority of that goes to purchasing 
used hardware that we then turn around and and refurbish for the families that we're trying to help. And we tell kids, it's like, you know, when, when you buy a little bag of hot Cheetos, you're, you're helping the next family on our list because that money's going to be turned around to go and get another computer for them. We get our hardware from a variety of sources. Sometimes people will just donate a machine, but more often to make sure that we have something that actually works and it's you know within our capacities to make it work correctly, we'll purchase used computers. And we've, we've gotten them from eBay. We've gotten them. Most of them come actually from the, the Minnesota Surplus Exchange, which is the state surplus store. And we, since we're a qualified agency, being a public school, we can go and get stuff there and, and you know we can do things very affordably. Most of the money goes towards that. Although we did do a special fundraiser this year, probably it was probably the biggest project we did all year. We're all pretty excited about it, that we called Pennies for Penguins. Our school has a trip every year where our eighth graders go to visit uh, Thailand. And uh, it's like a two and a half, three week long trip where the kids are, are learning as they go along and they're visiting our sister schools over in Thailand and, you know, they're learning language and culture and all kinds of other stuff. Well, this year decided, wouldn't it be cool if we could, if the Asian penguins could provide some laptop computers for our sister school over in Thailand? And the people who are organizing the trip were like, wow, that's a great idea. You know, do you guys think you can do it? And I said, well, we'll find out. And so what we did was we gave every teacher in the building from kindergarten all the way up through eighth grade uh, a jar to put on their desk that had our, our little Asian penguin sticker on it. And we said, okay, your students in your class have one week to bring in their change and put it in this jar. And the elementary class and the middle school advisory that raised the most money will get a popcorn party to celebrate the, the fact that they raised the most money. Let's just see what happens. And my whole goal was pretty modest. We, we had one laptop computer already that we'd purchased the previous summer that we were already planning on sending to Thailand. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could get three more? Get them for about 125 135 each if we go with used gear. And we need a little over 400 bucks. Okay, well, let's see if we can raise over 400 bucks. And we ended up raising about $1,000, which was incredibly, incredibly overwhelming and humbling to all of us. It was very exciting, very exciting. Somebody has to stick these in their luggage and get them to Thailand. We thought, okay, we said we were going to send four. Let's, let's, let's stick to that number. But the leftover money then became seed money to continue our community donation program here. So we'll be able to help out a lot of families next year. That's where the money's going. When you bring these computers out into the community, are you also providing support if people get stuck later? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If somebody has issues later on, we're not always in a position to be able to go back out to their home. Their kids are coming to school all the time. So it's like, okay, if there's a problem with the computer, just 
have them carry it on the bus back to school and, and we can help out with it. That hasn't happened a whole lot, but we have, at least on a couple of occasions, provided some additional help that way. Like, let us take a look at it and then we'll send it back home. That sounds like such a fantastic deal for those families. Thank you. Thank you. Is this part of the culture of the Community School of Excellence? Are there other programs like this with the same sort of community outreach? Well, I'm uh, I'm going to answer that question two ways. This is something that we came up with on our own, but it is something that the school has gotten very much behind and supported because it aligned with their goals so much. We're an IB school. We're part of the International Baccalaureate Program. And part of the learning that kids do in IB is service learning, where they're expected and encouraged to try to find ways to take what they learn in the classroom and use it in their community, whether it's, you know, helping out with kids in a younger class or helping people outside the school walls. So we actually have a number of uh, community service projects that go on through the course of the year, and we came up with it on our own. It's not the only thing that's going on. There are actually a few really great ones going on at our school. Every year, our, our student council takes a group of kids to do volunteer work at Feed My Starving Children. Our second graders, really proud of those little guys. They did something so cool during the last school year. They did a special fundraiser where they were selling cups of lemonade. Pretty straightforward thing. Kids sell lemonade all the time. But what they were doing with the money was they were donating it to a program to help provide clean drinking water for a village over in Africa. And those are just a couple of examples. Dance Club goes and provides, I guess you could say they provide service through dance outside of the school. And our fifth graders were doing a special community service project to help animals during this school year. So there's any number of things going on at our school under that umbrella of community service. The Asian Penguins Community Donation Program is one of those things, but it's not the only one. And it sounds like people are appreciating you. I noticed on your website that you are the staff member of the month. Yeah, that caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting that. I was grateful to be nominated and then to be selected for that. Yeah, that that was an honor. I, I did appreciate that. Would you have any advice for anybody listening that might be thinking about starting their own Linux user group or their own community group or a group maybe in their school if they're a teacher? Do you have any advice for how they might start a group like the Asian Penguins? Absolutely. The thing that we advised when we led a workshop at the the Hmong National Development Conference, yeah, that was another thing we did we'd never done before. Was we we were going off and speaking at conferences this year. That was that was crazy, but yeah, we did. One thing that we recommended to people was start small to grow big. If you want to see Linux at your school, the place to start is by using it yourself. If you're a teacher and you're curious about getting to do something like this, start off by obtaining a used computer. You might even have one that you're not using anymore yourself because you just got a new computer. Well, install Linux on the old one and start playing with it and see what can it do for you? What's the same? What's different? Start to experiment with different versions of Linux if you wish to. Once you have an idea of, okay, 
this will actually make the computer work, and, it, and it, it, I'm confident it won't break, then that computer into your classroom. Kids try it out. Uh, let them experiment with it. For elementary teachers, if you have a bank of desktop PCs in your room anyway, set your Linux one right next to it and plug it into the same network. The kids can even do their own compare and contrast with machines that are right next to each other. And then you'll see that some kids will really just start to gravitate towards the Linux one, and they'll start to prefer that. And then you think there's enough interest to start to put it out there. Should we start a Linux club here? And then just see who responds to it. If you're talking about a public school, very likely has a digital divide of its own. Too earth-shattering about that. That's just common knowledge. Not everybody who would like to have a computer or who can use one can afford one. See if there's some way that you can find out who in your school needs that type of help and try recycling a computer yourself for them and see, uh, and see if you can help them out that way and start your own recycling program. Try to keep administration of your school in the loop about not just the fact that you want to start doing Linux there, but that there's some enthusiasm among the students for doing it. So those are the bits of advice that I would give. Since we're on the subject of the future, I'd like to put out there that we're about to start a new project at our school. I mentioned that we are doing a one-to-one, -one, well, we used to do a one-to-one -one laptop program, but we now have computer carts. I mentioned that a better fit for our school and most of the computer users at the school have just been much happier with the arrangement. IT's been happier, the teachers have liked it, and the students have liked it too. It's been working out just fine. But all of those computers are starting to show their age because we've had them now for about four years. They're chugging along, but it's time for an upgrade. For the computer cart that's been designated to be the Linux cart, we would like to start our own crowdfunding campaign to replace those computers on our own, rather than burdening the school with it. The Asian Penguins, ever since our second year, well, really, I guess ever since the beginning, we've always kind of functioned somewhat independently. And I've tried to instill in the kids, the more independently we can work, the better off we are. And so we've, we've always had kind of an independent do-it-yourself kind of ethos, um, which I think stems from the fact that we're, we're Linux users. You know, Linux has a do-it-yourself ethos to it. So the kids and I are going to do what we're calling Operation Upgrade. The idea is we want to replace all the computers on the cart that Karoff and Mrs. Yang, our Hmong teacher, use. Uh, and we'd, so we'd like at least 32 machines, 30 for the cart and then a couple on reserve just in case something stops working or something breaks. We want to use refurbished, recycled, or used gear to help keep our costs down. We, we could spend a fortune on this using all new computers, but we figure factoring in administrative costs to do, like go through a crowdfunding website, plus the cost of the computers themselves, we're shooting to raise $4,500. And again, we want to do this ourselves. We don't want to burden the school with it. And in the coming days or coming weeks, uh, we're going to be putting together a 
page on a crowdfunding website complete with a video making our pitch to the public and asking for their help people i'm sure can find out about that if they go to asianpenguins.org Absolutely, absolutely. The information about it is already on uh, the AsianPenguins.org website. If you just click on the link for Operation Upgrade. That sounds really great. Are you also looking for donations in the form of hardware? Well, I'd be foolish to turn it down. Uh, <laughs> and if somebody wants to do that, that is fine. Uh, I do, I do want to caution folks. We are not a fully functioning hardware recycling program in the same way that Free Geek Twin Cities is. They can do things that we're simply not in a position to do, and they can do it better. But if somebody has a machine that still works, but they've upgraded to a new one, we'd be more than happy to take it. I see. But it sounds like anyone that would like to support in the way that would make it easiest for you would be to go to your website, AsianPenguins.org. Go to the Operation Upgrade link where they can donate. That is correct. And if anyone wants to get in contact with you or find out more about your program, is there a way that people can contact you? Absolutely. My email address is Stuart K, that's uh, S-T-U-A-R-T-K, at C-S-E-M-N dot org. And so I can be contacted through my school email address. And I can also be reached on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is at Stu Karoff, S-T-U-K-E-R-O-F-F. And do you have any last words that you wanted to share before we wrap it up? First off, I want to thank you for reaching out for the interview, Matthew. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. And if there's anybody who hears this who has been following us or supporting us already, I just, I, I, a personal thanks from, from the Asian penguins out to you because the, uh, the amount of, of love and support we've seen from people over the last three years has been beyond anything that we would have imagined. It's, it's, it's been quite a ride. When I first saw your video about what you're doing, it almost brought tears to my eyes. And the more I learned about the program, the more I watched what these kids were doing, what you're doing, what you're teaching them, what they're learning, the more I'm impressed. So this is just fantastic. I think you're doing excellent work. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to thank you again for having me, Matthew. This was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hacking Culture. You can learn more about this show and subscribe at lullabot.com slash hacking culture. Please follow at Hacking Culture and at Matthew Tift on Twitter or mtift on Microcast. You can also contact Matthew via email at hackingculture at lullabot.com. This episode is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States License. Hacking Culture is produced at Lullabot. The theme music is from the Open Goldberg Variations. Thank you for listening. <laughs>